My guest today is Dan Murray. About a year ago, Dan started his own company called Ministry Books, where he partners with churches as a sort of virtual executive pastor. And he helps ministries with their bookkeeping, their payroll, and overall financial consulting. In our conversation today, we talk about the importance of solid financial management in any church or business. And we also talk about some of the common mistakes that Dan has seen in churches and businesses when it comes to how they handle their books. Dan and I share a lot of the same passions, finance, ministry, even the Dallas Cowboys. And I know you'll enjoy hearing his story on the podcast today. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Financial Pathway Podcast with Nate Skeller, where we discuss important financial questions and give you practical advice to guide you on your financial journey. If you enjoy the podcast, consider subscribing and leaving us a review. You can also follow the Financial Pathway page on Facebook for more helpful financial tips and videos. All right, well, then we'll jump into it. Hey, everybody, I've got Dan Murray here with me today with Ministry Books. He is representing well with his hat and logo, so looking very sharp. So, Dan, um, tell us about yourself, your family, where you're at, what you do. Well, since you mentioned the hat, I am a merch nerd, so like anytime if it's a sports team or obviously my company now, um, I represent it. So uh, uh, yeah, I'm from Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, born and raised. Uh, Yes, there are uh, Christians and churches out here uh, in the desert. Um, Popular, you know, nicknames aside. Um, I'm married, uh, a wife of 11 years. Her name is Rachel, and she's a uh, full-time photographer. Uh, I have two daughters, one son, uh, McKenna, Abilene, and Hudson. And um, yeah, I've been living in Vegas my whole life with the exception of when I went to school and, and whatnot in Florida and uh, came back here, uh, recently uh, served 12 years um, as a youth pastor and an admin executive pastor for two ministries here uh, in the Valley. And um, as of this year, uh, transitioned into ministry books uh, full time. And so that's uh, what I do uh, every day now. So it's fun. Yes. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to digging into ministry books with you today. Two girls and a boy. Is your boy the youngest? Yes. And I am a sports junkie and he has a better arm than me and he's only two years old. And (laughs) uh, I told my wife, if he's not a multi-sport athlete, I think we failed. So, yeah. What's the ages of your kids? uh, My oldest daughter, McKenna, she's eight. Uh, Abilene is five. So they're third grade uh, and kindergarten respectively. And then Hudson's the only one at home right now during the school day. So uh, yeah. if you hear some peeping around a little later, it's probably him. Okay. So, well, we're, yeah. we're the exact opposite. We got two boys and a girl, but we're in that same age range, eight, eight, six, and four. So yeah, uh, that's, yeah. that's awesome. Um, sports fan, what sports? What, what's, what's. Uh, so growing up in Las Vegas, we had no sports teams. And right. so we had to and pick now, regionally. We had to pick, you know, family lives here. And so my sports fandom was kind of formulated in the mid nineties and it's stayed that way ever since. So people will accuse me for being bandwagon. Yeah, I was in 94 when I was eight years old, but now I've stuck with them for, you know, all this time. So like Atlanta Braves for baseball, uh, Dallas Cowboys for football. I get a lot of, Come on now. And, and you know, it is what it is. Um, let's see. Uh, so Braves, Cowboys, Lakers for basketball. Cause they were closer to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And then, Cowboys was like my all-time favorite team. And then the Golden Knights came to Vegas, you know, six, seven years ago. And my brother and I had just been all in uh, with hockey. And so that's the main sport. Uh, 
I have way too many hockey jerseys in my closet that I rarely wear. Uh, and so, uh, and obviously <laughs> this past season, uh, the Knights won the Stanley Cup. My brother and I are season ticket holders. We got to be there oh, for nice. it. Probably one of the coolest core memories ever. And uh, uh, yeah, lost my voice that night for good reason. So that's <laughs> that's where the sports is in me. So if you look at the back of my car, I literally have a Golden Knights, a Cowboys, a Braves, and a Lakers sticker. And people scratch their heads. They're like, how? Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. like, I grew up in Vegas my whole life. We didn't have any sports teams. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. my similarly, my sports allegiances are are spread out. But like you, a Dallas Cowboys fan. And go. right. It has not been an easy upbringing for me because I was still I was still young, like in the 90s. I don't I wasn't I wasn't into football at the time. Yeah. So I don't remember the Super Bowl wins. So really my entire experience and my entire existence as a Cowboys fan has just been constant disappointment. I'll have to say this year, we're recording this October 5th. I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, we beat really garbage teams so far. (laughs) Yeah, but, you know, as a Cowboys fan, you just don't ever dare to dream. Like you just, you're like, okay, sure, we'll have a good regular season, but come playoff time, we know what happens. But who knows? Yes, (laughs) yes, that's right. That's right um yeah we'll see if this podcast ages well yeah ages well or not <laughs> um so you started ministry books you you've worked in ministry for a while now but now you're striking out on your own tell us what ministry books is what what does it do so ministry books in in the simple term is you know it's a short play on words where it's ministry bookkeeping and so um one of the things that i did over the last 12 years in the two ministries that i was at was one out of necessity and one just kind of like, hey, this is why we're bringing you on board to not only do youth ministry, but also to help with the admin and the finances. Um, Bookkeeping was something I did every day for 12 years. Um, In terms of, you know, categorizing receipts and tracking bank accounts and financial credit cards, things of that nature, and then not just tracking it, but also populating reports um, for those financial meetings, Um, but then also explaining some of the trends and things of that nature. So I've been doing that for 12 years. And earlier um, this past year, I was going through a ministry transition, um, and it's interesting, and I'll just keep it completely spiritual here. I literally had a prayer with God one day, and I said, Lord, if you want me to do something different than what I'm doing now, I'm open to it. And every time I've done that, God usually answered the prayer within five days uh, or seven days. And then just a few days later, like God was showing me that the door at the ministry that I was currently at was closing. And this was a dream I've had kind of in my pocket for the past couple of years, but I always kept it second place because my first focus was the full-time ministry that I was employed at. And um, and so I was doing it for a couple of churches already, uh, helping out friends and church plans, family with churches, things of that nature. And so Ministry Books in the simplest term is a bookkeeping company um, for churches, ministries, nonprofits, even small businesses um, that are looking for that kind of assistance. Yeah, that's great. So I mean, it's just, it seems like it was a natural extension of your experience and your skill set already to say, okay, this, this is something I'm naturally suited for. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was something that I had, I had some very great leaders invest in me over the past, you know, five, six years uh, and sp- specifically look into what's your passion, what's your why, what makes you tick. And, and I had several passions, you know, youth ministry being one of them. But I'm a numbers nerd. So I joke around with people and say my favorite computer program is QuickBooks. Um, And so that was one of the reasons that it really uh, allowed me to go into a lane of a passion that I really love what I do. Not that I didn't before, uh, but really to focus that um, that passion into a business. 
Yeah, I love that. So your favorite, yeah, your favorite computer program is QuickBooks. Not a lot of business owners, not a lot of people in pastoral ministry would say the same. So yeah. of course, this is a natural area. I so looking at your website, I see there's three different services that Ministry Books does, right? So you do bookkeeping, payroll, and then there's financial consulting. So help me if I'm somebody who's like, all right, I'm looking at Ministry Books, bookkeeping, payroll, financial consulting. I don't know what the difference is there. Kind of give us a breakdown of what those services are. Yeah. So number one, bookkeeping is simply, you know, data entry, you know, receipt um, reporting of transactions, um, receipts getting mailed, emailed in, and then kind of categorized into respective bank registers and accounts. Um, And then with also bookkeeping, it's data input, but it's also reconciliation. So you're we're monitoring uh, possible fraud charges. We're monitoring double transactions. We're monitoring the, uh, the ever so rare, hey, an offering got deposited on Monday from Sunday and a check got bounced. What happened? You know, and mm. and some of those things happen. And then beyond that, we also provide the financial reports um, at the end of at the end of the month. Uh, we prepare them, you know, and then for the for that for that previous month. And so uh, it's bookkeeping is the data input, the reconciliations, the reporting payroll. Uh, is simply that it's how you pay your team. Uh, and so your church setup may have your pastor set up as W2 employees, your secretary set up that way. You may even have 1099 employees where they're kind of doing a self-employment thing um, on their own. And so we offer that as a secondary product as well to bookkeeping. I, I would say about 80% of the business is bookkeeping. We have a handful of clients that utilize payroll. Um, mm-hmm. And we have some uh, companies that we partner with to uh, give some really good cost savings on that. Uh, and then the payroll side is great too, because there's some unique clergy tax laws, uh, especially around housing allowance and whether they're exempt from FICA uh, that play in uh, to that. And so having a company that knows those ins and outs and some of those things is, is beneficial. And then consulting is simply uh, explaining the reports. Uh, one of the things that I looked at early on when I started this business was number one, there wasn't a lot of companies in this space and in providing bookkeeping specifically for churches and nonprofits. Um, and then of those, consulting was this like separate exorbitant fee. Like we're talking hundreds and thousands of dollars a month just to talk to somebody. And so I didn't want to just start a company to do bookkeeping and payroll. Um, and that's it. I also wanted to be more of a remote executive pastor for multiple ministries to then take that financial reporting um, and then kind of go through some financial counsel or trends in spending and, and, and explaining the reports because you yes. can send a report. And if a pastor's not versed in it financially and how to read it, there's really no value there. And so that's yes. where the consulting comes in. And then there's also another that consulting branch is going to expand. I'm in the process of putting together a, a consultant page of sorts where you can uh, come to our website, click on the consulting page and book a call, whether you subscribe with a ministry books product or not, uh, you can book a call for a small, small fee uh, with a financial ministry expert across the country and, and pick their brain on any type of financial counsel you you may need. And we're not talking like in hundreds and hundreds of dollars. We're talking like a $50, 45-minute phone call um, or a Zoom call with a, uh, a financial expert. So that's kind of like one of the next phases that we're working on developing and building with the company as well. Yeah, that's great. And right, I, I'm I'm so glad you say that because it's one thing to provide that service, but really the value comes in being able to extrapolate from here's the numbers, but this is the story that it's telling. You know, exactly. here's what you need to look out for. Here's where things are trending. Here's an issue that keeps coming up that needs to be addressed. 
because right, you don't know the first thing about QuickBooks. You don't know the first things about about these financial reports. It's you know it it, it, it doesn't mean anything unless there's a little bit of explanation that goes along with it. So I appreciate yeah, that. So this is an area that, of course, for a lot of people, they're very hesitant around. It's just just because it's daunting, right? Finances, mm-hmm. reports. If it's not your cup of tea, if it's not your skill set, it kind of kind of seem like. But it's a really needed area, in your experience, from what you've seen. What are what are the common mistakes that churches or businesses are making, where a good bookkeeper comes in and is able to address those or point those out to to make sure that they're they're handled? Yeah, I think sitting in the chair that I sat in for twelve years, I got to really kind of see and experience what it's like to be on the side of the churches and the ministries that contact me. And so I think one of the biggest mistakes that I've seen, uh, thankfully, rarely, is the church that does nothing at all. Um, There really is no system in place to track finances. Um, And so obviously churches reaching out to me are looking for, hey, we need some help. We need to start this. How can we get this rolling? And, Mm -hmm. um, And so or they have something in place and it's just not been maintained. It's not been like overseen or, yeah, we got the QuickBooks set up. We got our bank talking to it. But then. Some of the categorizations and some of the transactions just weren't kept up, kept up to date, looking months behind. And so I actually spoke with another bookkeeper friend the other day saying there's no such thing as a clean and perfect client uh, because every client that comes in, there's going to be a little bit of a cleanup process. And that's part of the onboarding. And we expect that um, part of the onboarding to get things trued up and caught up. Um, I think another small mistake I've seen is uh, it's better than nothing. So let me preface this mistake with that caveat, caveat is using Microsoft Excel to do your budget. Um, The reason I say that is it's better than nothing and it's good to kind of see where things are. It's just not the best software to leverage reporting. And so that's where using a QuickBooks product or or QuickBooks Online or anything of that nature allows churches to really continue to do that data input. You know, we do that through ministry books and then make reporting so much simpler. And then one of the biggest, I wouldn't say mistakes, I would for the lack of a better term, just call it ignorance in the sense that many churches just don't know this, but all churches are recognized as a 501c3 entity by default by the IRS. But there's also an extra step where churches can register um, as a 501c charitable organization that's like officially recognized. And churches can do that on their own for a fee, or they can go through a a third party to do that paperwork. Um, If they have that official charitable designation, they're able to leverage that with some nonprofit savings on softwares and subscriptions and things of that nature. Um, And so I've walked a lot of churches through that process because in ministry books for bookkeeping and payroll, we charge a management fee, but the subscription fees we leave in the hands of the church. And instead of paying 80 to 200 bucks a month for a QuickBooks online product, you could either pay a 65, $75 per year fee or $160 per year fee through some nonprofit channels. So that's one of the things that we try to push right away uh, when we're onboarding clients to say, we need to switch your account to this nonprofit one if mm. you have the official 501c3 uh, designation. So mistakes can range from not doing anything, doing something, just maybe not using the right tool uh, to where to then saying, oh, we didn't know we could save hundreds of dollars on these types of softwares annually. And and my company motto is literally to steward resources to increase kingdom impact. So the money you're not sending to that software company can be poured into outreach in your local community. 
Yes, that's that's great. Just just some small things that are immediate value adds. Yeah, yeah. I, right. And I think probably it's proportional, right? The smaller the church, the less resources and the less is probably being done in those mm-hmm. areas, right? The larger the ministry, the more systems and operations have to be in place. And a lot of times those things are maybe addressed. But again, doesn't always necessarily mean that they're being addressed well. It's just yeah. that as a ministry grows, of course, just just from an from an operational and staff standpoint, that that also grows. Can you speak to? I think one of the things that's a really important thing in this area is about just honesty, being above board, um, making sure that finances are as they should be. Because we all have heard of those examples and those stories of embezzlement, misuse of church funds, whether that was from a pastor, whether it was from people on staff, or maybe just mismanagement from the standpoint of like just a lack of awareness. Like people don't need, there's, there's nobody has really a handle on the finances. Can you speak to that? Yeah. And, uh, and that's one of the benefits I think of having a third party company like a ministry books to come in to assist with bookkeeping, payroll, consulting, et cetera, because unfortunately we are human. Uh, we do grapple with the sin nature and we've all heard stories or maybe unfortunately experienced a time in a ministry where there was that improper conduct, uh, whether it's embezzlement or, or just, you know, on the, on the lower end of that scale, just ignorance and not knowing what to manage. And so accountability is one of the biggest uh, things that I come across uh, because um, I've never been diagnosed with it, but I am OCD. And so if I see a charge, if I see something that's not uh, copacetic with the normal regular routines of vendors and, do- and, and deposits and things of that nature, having a third-party company and having someone say, Hey guys, asking the question, what is this? How does this happen? And if something improper is happening, um, full disclaimer, we're not legal experts. We're not lawyers at ministry books, but we will say, hey, that's ethical or that's not ethical. We'll give advice to you shouldn't do it this way. You should do it this way um, because there's laws in this land and we're to obey those laws. And um, we want to give counsel to where, hey, you should do it this way so you don't fall under scrutiny of this yeah. government agency or anything like that. But accountability, I think, is the is the short answer to the question that you were asking there. Yeah. Is there is there an example in your mind of like something that a church may do one way because it's like, oh, this is what we've done. But really, in, yeah. in reality, it's like, well, you can come along and be like, actually, we need to be doing it this way. I just walked through a a question posed to me by a client in the last couple of weeks. And this actually was, the answer was a flashback to a uh, experience that I had with the ministry that I was involved in as, as a pastor, probably about eight or 10 years ago. Um, And the question was, um, how do I, you know, compensate interns that come uh, from a college to kind of help us on the weekends and whatnot. And so, um, and the, the flashback was, is I had a parent one time say, Hey, um, I'm going to pay my daughter's Bible college tuition through the church. Can you pay it to the college so I can get a tax write-off? And then I said, no, the church cannot do that. Be used as a pastor contribution for you to get taxed because it takes it for one, the college wasn't accredited. So that's why they were looking for the tax write-off. And and I basically said, we're not going to put the church under that type of financial scrutiny from the IRS. Mm -hmm. Um, So I ended up having a similar conversation and it wasn't the same spirit, uh, but uh, one of the clients reached out and said, hey, um, we have some interns. 
we want to compensate them uh, directly to their school bill. And so I took I took a step back, did some research, talked with some CPAs and others, and came back and said, pay the college directly, you know, um, from the church. And then in a memo line, you're putting that student's name. Mm-hmm. So there are yeah. situations, unfortunately, where, I mean, all of us do it. Hey, what's the best way I can, you know, manage the finances to avoid taxes or whatever um, in situations. And so, but there are, there are stipulations put in place and things that are there to protect um, the the employee. Um, And so those are things that were questions like that will come up and we'll just give advice and counsel. um, And then, the onus is really on the ministry if they decide to heed that and, and practice that as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. And and again, it's just one of those things where I think a lot of times people just have that attitude of, well, it'll be all right. You know, yeah, it's, it's fine. And right. Maybe in the moment you can do that, but yeah, what happens when you become audited? A lot of times those, those short-term decisions can come back to bite you in a major way and yeah. having somebody that says, hey, well, let's pump the brakes. Actually, no, let's do it this way. It can be a huge, huge value. So with ministries, I kind of alluded to this earlier, depending on their size, there may, sure. they may or may not be, you know, sometimes a very large ministry, maybe they have somebody that they pay full time and that's their job is to kind of oversee the finances and, and do bookkeeping, those types of things. And then you've got really, really small ministries that like, maybe they're just trying to keep the lights on. They don't have any sort of extra money to be, but then you've got a lot of churches that are somewhere in between. What's the point? at which you would say for a church, it makes sense to start to think about hiring somebody to do this stuff for you versus just doing it all internally through volunteer or pastors looking up YouTube videos on how to do QuickBooks or something along those lines. Well, I I first want to say any pastor that goes on YouTube to learn QuickBooks, I'm a huge fan of because you're showing the initiative to first manage and oversee an area of your ministry that most pastors probably would not do. So to answer that question, I got to give you a little bit of a background. I started this company with a mindset of, I was going through a ministry transition. I was already doing a couple of churches on the side. My wife mm-hmm. and I are going through that prayer season, you know, for about a month and a half of, do I send out my resume and go be an executive admin pastor at one church, you know, somewhere mm-hmm. in America, or do I multiply that, create this business, really pursue this dream um, and then be like a remote executive pastor for uh, multiple churches and, and multiply that impact. And so I first started the business with the idea of I wanted to help the small to medium sized church to um, who couldn't afford a financial secretary um, at $20,000 a year or a financial pastor in that mindset. And, you know, 50, 60, 70, depending on the demographics of where they are, uh, mm-hmm. 70,000 a year. And um and so I always say this with every client that schedules potential client that schedules a discovery call to me. I ask the question, do you have someone in house that can do this? Um, because I want your ministry to be healthy financially, but also not for the lack of a better term, spend and waste money on ministry books. When you have someone in house that can do this. And a lot of times churches reach out to me and say, no, we don't have someone that can do this. Um, or the financial secretary we have is is leaving the position. And so uh, I used to say 20,000 a year for a secretary or 50,000 a year for a pastor. But then I started to see larger churches reach out on the opposite side of the spectrum saying, we're spending 50, 60, 70, 80 on these positions. And we'd like to restructure some of that staffing resource into a third party like you that has accountability, um, but also allows us to put more 
of this resource into the community. And so mm-hmm. I've seen it on both ends. Um, but I, this is kind of a weird thing to say as a business owner, because uh, I believe the Lord's going to provide no matter what. Um, if you're in a situation where you have somebody that can do it, then then go for that. Don't bring ministry books on. In fact, I spoke with a pastor just two weeks ago. Uh, we're going through the conversation, the uh, uh, the kick and tire back and forward, you know, thing I like to call it. Um, and, and, and I'm not trying to pressure him or anything like that. And at one point he's like, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to bring you on. I'm like, all right, cool. Now, here's the onboarding process. Here's what this looks like. And then for like a solid week, I didn't hear a thing. And then so I reached out and just said, hey, how's it going? And he replied, hey, guess what? We have someone here in the office that can do it. And I said, absolutely great. Like, awesome. Reach out if you have any questions. So no hurt feelings on my end. Um, and, and at the same time, too, that's kind of where the consulting arm comes in. If you need something, reach out and then we can connect and advise uh, when the time is right. So yeah. in terms of when a church can hire someone to do it, really at any point, but then churches ask themselves the question, if we go to a third party, we have accountability, we have the experience and the expertise um, and the oversight. Um, and I think I think that accountability sits well with uh, the average church attender, parishioner, so to speak, uh, yes. when they realize that their leadership is valuing outside um, uh, expert input on, on these areas of finances. It eliminates a lot of false accusations, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. Yeah. I love what you alluded there to there. It's kind of that um, abundance mindset, right? Of like understanding, hey, ministry books, I could only ever have so much business anyway. Mm-hmm. I if, if I have a mission, which is stewarding resources to increase kingdom impact, I'm going to look for every opportunity to do that. And if I talk to a church and it makes the most sense for them to use somebody in-house, then great. I'm, I'm going to applaud that and say, right on. Yeah. And I think that actually ultimately ends up not benefiting your business because when people understand that you're coming at this from a a, a mentality to like no I, I want to help whatever mm-hmm. that that help looks like whether that's me giving you some advice or helping you to find the right person or working with me I'm all about that I think that always ends up leading to more business and as opposed to somebody that has that tunnel vision of like I'm the only option everybody yeah. else is terrible if you do it in house it's going to go terribly wrong for this this and this I think people see through that you know when 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 you say, man, I, you know, every problem is a, is a nail and I'm the only hammer, like, you know, like th- it's people rec- recognize what that is for, for recognize it for what it is. Um, yeah. What has that experience been like? Cause at, as, as you've started ministry books, which by the way, you started it earlier this year, right? Yeah. Officially March 1st was kind of like my, my kickoff day. Um, mm-hmm. And you, cause the transition was taking place early January um, and we, we were, you know, being taken care of as part of that process. And so we had some time to really kind of, you know, dream, pray and and kind of build some things for, as a family, my wife and I. And, uh, and so it was probably mid February, we decided to, all right, let's make this a thing. Um, I, I looked everywhere online for companies that were in this space. Um, and a lot of the companies I found were much, much larger. We're talking like hundreds and hundreds of clients. Um, but the thing that I found was as I talked with churches that have talked to other companies, because I would say, hey, there's these other companies run my numbers against theirs um, and, and come back. And I I wanted honest feedback. If I'm charging too much, if I'm charging too less, let me know. Um, and But the other thing too was availability of some of the larger companies would kind of be a middleman to outsource you to another bookkeeper, but then they would put the structure in place to say, hey, you can only talk to them verbally one day a week. You can email them. 
And and I tell all my clients, I'm available Monday through Friday, eight to five. Um, shoot me a text, shoot me a phone call. Um, and if I'm able to answer, I'll answer. Um, obviously I have meetings and things like that and work um, in there as well. And so there's a little bit of uh, an advantage right now with a ministry books, just because we are smaller and can have that personal attention. Um, I can't promise that'll be there forever. Um, but right now that's kind of one of the differences we see with some of the other, other larger, great bookkeeping church management companies. Um, and I have nothing really negative to say outside of just there may be some more access uh, to me in ministry books at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And it was interesting because, so we connected through idea summit. What was that? 2000, so last, two years this ago. Year. Or this was year. It, this, there was an idea summit in Dallas. You and I were at. Oh yeah. Were at, that was earlier this year. Wasn't it? It was in January. Yeah. Cause there was an ice storm. So anyway, like, cause through Facebook, you know, you, you, you see people and it's like, okay, I'm, we had mutual friends. We probably were even Facebook friends already, but you know how that is. And then we, we connected there in person and, and then when you started ministry books, I thought, man, this is, this is, I, I think it's going to do really well because I think you're, you're meeting a need and you had a lot of people respond to you right away. There was, there was a definite, like you found out very quickly, like, oh, there's a definite demand here. What do yeah. you think plays into that? Like, why was it so quick to, why were you, why was it so quick to hear from several people like, oh yes, we, we want to talk to you. Well, I think one of the, uh, the, the previous pastor that I worked with, good friend of mine, I love him. He said to me that you have a gift for networking. I don't like, it was just one of those things where he's like, you're, you can go into a room of perfect strangers and just strike up a conversation. So that's kind of been my personality. Lee, my wife makes fun of me sometimes for it. Um, where, and so because of that in idea network and several other ministry minded, um, Facebook groups, um, you know, when I decided to launch, uh, the company, uh, my wife, who's a full-time photographer, a uh, shameless plug there, uh, if you ever need any type of photography, uh, she is really big on social media. Like she does it very well. Um, and she does it daily and she knows it to where like the more daily content, the more interactions, the more views, she understands the algorithm of advertising her business through social media. And so she was encouraging me to do the same. And so what happened though, was is the very first post around early March that I posted on my personal page. I posted it on my brand new business page that I made like 10 minutes before. Um, and then I shared that all through the ministry groups that I was affiliated with or a part of or whatever. Um, and like, I wanted to be very cautious with it. Cause I didn't want to be like, Hey, I'm this new business. I'm just going to spam this group every week. I literally just threw in one post. Um, and then within a six week time frame several churches partnered with ministry books and all of my previous income was 100% replaced within six weeks. And yeah. so then I really slow played how I advertised. Um, and then probably towards end of summer, I did a second post, shared it to all these networking groups. And then um, I went from eight clients to 13 clients in about a month. And mm -hmm. so um, I try not to be super uh, social media engaged in terms of, because right now um, I'm at a point where I'm looking to hire. I'm looking to bring in uh, data input specialists that have experience with bookkeeping and QuickBooks to help um, input the data for the respective ministries that are already partnering with us. And I tell that to any client, look, it may not be me putting in the data every day, um, but it will be me overseeing fraud and running reports and managing consultations and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. so um, as our company grows, that's something that a caveat that we let let our clients know about as well. So 
Yeah, I love that. Right, because there, there was definitely a demand. There was definitely people that were looking for somebody in your space, but it was also a natural consequence of the network of people that you had poured into over time. And I think that's probably a good takeaway for all of us to like, you never really know the twists and turns that life has. And not that you build relationships because you're like, well, maybe one day, one day down the road, you're going to help me. But I think it speaks to the strength of that that uh, collective nature of when you're just the kind of person that connects with people, you're a genuine people person, you love to support and help other people in ministry or whatever, you know, whatever your natural network might be. When those times come, when a transition in life happens, it positions you so much better to be able to navigate those. And here you're, you're, you're already part of these groups. You're already connected with a lot of these people. They know you, they trust you, they understand what you do. And it's just a natural fit. And that's, that's, that's really cool. Um, and, and, and even now to the point, cause you know, you say you have 13 clients, you know, um, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, when people hear 13, it's like, oh, well, that doesn't sound like a lot. But then when you realize like you're kind of taking the place of somebody who would be the finance person at that church for 13 different churches that actually, then when you think about it that way, you're like, oh, actually that's quite a lot, but you're able yeah. to do it very nimbly. You're working remotely and, um, and right. It's not just the bookkeeping or payroll, but it's also the the consultation to kind of help churches and be that executive pastor. That's a really yeah. cool thing. So um, before, before we wrap up then, Dan, I, I I would love for some other ministries or businesses to connect with you if this is an, an area that they need. So where can people connect with you? What would you want to share with people that would say, hey, maybe I need ministry books? Yeah. So our website is um, www.theministrybooks.com. So if you're like an Ohio State football fan, kind of the similar trend, like we're from the Ohio State, we're the ministry books. <laughs> That's what I should have had you do in your intro, Dan yeah. Murray. The yeah, ministry the books. books. And so <laughs> it's on the, because if you leave out the, the, uh, you will find another ministry books.com. That's not us. And mm. so uh, the ministry books.com easiest way to reach out uh, on our website. We have a chat there, uh, contact form as well. Um, there's also a calendar there. If you want to schedule a discovery call, uh, you can look at my calendar. You can book a call there. Uh, my email is dan at the ministrybooks.com. And then my business number, you can reach out, text or call uh, area code 725-867-2665. Uh, so those are the main three ways. Uh, and we're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, you can, uh, or X is the new term for Twitter. Yes, yes. So transitioning uh, the nomenclature there. And so we're on all the social media platforms. So you can reach out social media, website, email, or phone. Awesome. Well, I'd highly recommend Dan. I know he's a guy that really knows his stuff and has got a great heart to help uh, businesses and churches and go to the next level. So I'd highly recommend re reaching out to him. Thanks so much, Dan, for your time today. And uh, I'll, I'll see everybody else on the next podcast episode. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a, an honor to share uh, what we do. And if we could be a help to anyone, feel free to reach out. We'd love to connect. Awesome. Thanks.